Howdy legends and welcome back to another episode of the Cam and Jord podcast. If you're a first time listener, thank you for joining us today. We hope you find some inspiration, motivation, entertainment and of course some practical knowledge to apply in your own lives after listening to our podcast. And if you enjoy the content today, head over to our Instagram page at Cam and Jord for more information about our podcast, any upcoming episodes and see Geordie and I's journey through our holistic life. Amongst the people we interview, the holistic areas we focus on on our podcast are physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, social health and business health. Cam and I believe a harmonious balance between these six pillars will create a successful and enjoyable life. During the podcast, we'll take a deep dive into focal points for you to take action on and begin to work on your balance. Our interviewees will give real-life experiences on physical fitness, nutrition and diet habits, the importance of sleep, a variety of meditation techniques, breaking down your goals and achieving them, positive self-talk, mindfulness, your values and purpose, your connection and faith, the importance of prayer, your love life, your friends and family, networking and the role it plays, work-life balance, enjoying your work and how to follow your passion and organisation from day to day. As you begin to implement these strategies, we would love to act as your support network. Please share your wins, losses and learnings on Instagram and tag us so we can encourage you on your holistic journey. And of course, if you're a veteran listener to the Cam and Jod podcast, we thank you for your continual support. We love hearing about your journey and application on achieving a more holistic life. We love growing the Cam and Jord community and we thank you for being a part of growing the awareness in holistic health. Now let's get into it and introduce today's guest. On today's episode, we have mental health advocate, Cam Williams. Cam is a young 25-year-old mentor for mental health and understands the role it plays in a holistic life. He has been through incredible circumstances that saw him almost lose his life, meaning he has had to look his fears in the face and deal with his trauma daily to continue down his path of maintaining a balanced mental health. Through Cam's experiences, he understands the importance of mental health and feels he needed to do more in order to influence as many people as possible. To make this a reality, Cam started his own charity, Talk Talk. The charity is all about creating awareness for mental health by breaking down the barriers that are stopping society from talking about their struggles. All of his profits are now being directly donated back to the Penrith Men's Walk and Talk for mental health. Cam lives his life with no stone unturned. He pushes his mind and body to its limits and helps others do the same. He generously gives his time to others, asking nothing in return, hoping he can make a difference in people's lives and be a mentor when they need it. We would love to take the opportunity to thank Cam for this podcast episode and congratulate him on his road to recovery and all the lives he continues to change day to day. Enjoy episode 12 with Cam Williams. Howdy crew, welcome back to another episode of Cam and Jordan. Here we are with the Brown Dog. and Traveling Brownie? Yeah, good thanks Cam. Sitting here with a couple of Cams today. Uh, very lucky to be joined today by Cam Williams. Cam, thanks very much for sitting down with Big Jugs and I. No dramas, thanks for having me. I'm uh, really looking forward to it. it should be good. Yeah, Cam, just for the listeners out there, has been one that we wanted from day one, so Jordy and I are very excited for this episode. I think this one will hopefully touch a lot of people out there and hopefully become relatable too. So looking forward to this episode. Yeah, this is probably the first mental health um, episode we've done. We sort of touched one with Mitchie Woods um, around mental and emotional. So this will probably delve more into the mental capacity. And you know, I think anyone who knows your story and a few more will after today's episode know that you've definitely had some, some trials and looking forward to knowing how you dealt with those and maybe just start Cam with a bit of a background on you, how we know each other, how you grew up, what was your family life like, things like that. No drama as well, I'm 25 at the moment, um, I'm a sprinkler fitter so I do fire protection. Um, I had a green keeping apprenticeship before that and I finished, finished that so I've got, I'm a dual trade. And school, I went to Erskine Park High School and I loved it there. It was absolutely, it was the best thing for me, really. And um, I've lived a pretty active life. I'm always busy here. I'm either here with you coaching, with your boys coaching here at Penrith Cricket Club, or I'm at footy now and got love golf and 
and running and um, so I run a small charity as well so that is um takes up a bit of my time too so yeah it's good yeah that's awesome and sort of you touched on sport too that's kind of where we met back in the day kind of our older brothers played a bit of cricket together and then we started playing a bit of cricket together <laughs> dominated the mighty hawks how many premierships did I think you? I've got three jackets or something. Yeah, three. I think I've got three jackets. Do you have three jackets or one jacket with three? I've got three. I'm pretty sure I've got three jackets. Yeah. 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 I think I have. I think I have. Well, sport has been, I was thinking about it last night. I actually don't think my parents have had a week away from sport, either with my brother playing cricket or me footy and we both were playing somewhere in with the sports. They probably haven't, a week, haven't had a week off since so I grew up playing soccer and I played there I started when I was five and I was actually playing a game I played soccer for a little bit and then I remember playing a game with Riley Wilson against <laughs> Riley Wilson against the Gunwall Park Kookaburras and good name. Yeah. he's kicked a goal and I've, no, I haven't had a like that so I chased him off the field <laughs> I chased him off the field I hate losing <laughs> got beat by one. I reckon I, I would have been on that too. You probably yeah. would have. So and then from the I went home, drive driving in the car crying, <laughs> mum took me How old were you at this? I was probably I was probably seven. <laughs> <laughs> so from a very young age we know that I don't like losing. Yeah. So then um I've gone gone home and dad said, No, nah, that's it, you can't be chasing me. We're gonna have, we're gonna have to put me in the footy. So from that year that was it. I went to footy and then I think, well, what, what age is, I don't think I started cricket until no. I was probably maybe 12. Yeah. The same thing, I can't play cricket because I just get too angry. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to cricket. And you can't do that. But then I started, I think, I think my first year would have been with you, I probably yeah. would have been under 13, maybe. Yeah, I reckon that's right. Yeah, and I play, played that, and then that obviously cricket was sort of my second sport, mm. and footy sort of dominated, and I played footy. Started when I was nine and then played through until I was pretty much, I was 21 when I said, yeah, this is enough for me. I sort of just lost the passion for it mm -hmm. and I said, you know what, if I'm not enjoying it, there's no point in being here, I'm taking some purpose to spot. So I just sort of threw it in and I turned to running and went through a little bit there and running sort of helped me heat and started to love it and then this year, or last year, sorry, I was at a wedding and one of the boys said, oh, I was sort of thinking about going back to footy and I said, oh, yeah, you know, I was probably can't thinking, you know, I had a bad accident, thinking to myself, I'm just saying that and I've got to go back because I miss, I miss being around the boys. I was coaching and stuff, coaching younger boys, but it just wasn't the same mm -hmm. feeling for me. Like, there was no, kids were winning and I'm going, oh, yeah, it's not, I'm not really feeling that. So then I said, oh, I'll come back and trying to talk myself out of it on the way there. I, was, well, I said I was going to come, so I'm on the way down. I'm playing down at the O's, by the way. I'm a bit far from home. I live in Sinclair, so it's a 45-minute drive. And that whole way, what anxiety <laughs> going down there, saying turn around, turn around. And I got there, and I loved it. And then, yeah, I, last year, I say to a lot of the young boys here, if you enjoy it, you play well. And I witnessed that for myself firsthand last year, but that was exactly the case. And, Picked up some awards there a few last week, and yeah, it was, it was good. It was just a shame we got cut short with COVID, which probably would have been one comp, but unfinished business, so I've got to go back now. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good insight, like early doors, just around your competitiveness, yeah. that small little journey you went on, um, sort of touch base with your running, and we'll definitely delve into some of that. What about just like school life growing up, Cam? What was it like for you at school? Did you enjoy school like you enjoyed your sport? Was the same competitive? Just there? School was, I, school wasn't for me, like academically I wasn't where I should have been or anything like that. It wasn't until I probably left school and realised I was probably two years into my apprenticeship and I thought, oh, I probably want to join the army and I had a look in there, you know, as a kid you go, well, what can I do? And I couldn't do it because I didn't have a school certificate. I didn't finish school. So I was like, I shouldn't have been as much as yeah, I was at school like now I look back and I think that was my biggest regret through school like trying to make my mates laugh and things like that I just thought you know now looking at I tell a lot of the young boys here don't be an idiot at school like you don't know how much you've got to rely on it later on in life it's not, they just look at it and go oh it's just 
learning mouse game, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, it's not that, but it's what it sort of teaches you. And, uh, yeah, I just, I'm not real proud of what I did at sort of school. Like, I was a bit of a bully and things like that. I look now and I see people down at the shops and that are in my year group and they look at me still with that who I am. Mm. Like, oh, Cam's still a boy. And I just want to say to them, I'm not like that anymore. Like, and just stand up. Who am I? I've got only myself to blame at the end of the day. So, yeah, school, but saying that, that was the sort of bad side that I look at it now. But through school, I was the best thing. Loved it. I loved going to school purely just to see my mates. And yeah. Those four, I had three really good mates at school Jake, um, Adam, and Luke, and they're still my best friends to this day. So, schools, schools, yeah, it was a good place for me, like through sport and stuff like that. We didn't have a lot of sport, like we only had like carnivals and stuff like that, but. Yeah, it was good. I loved it. Yeah, that's awesome. I reckon we can move on. You sort of mentioned at the start of the podcast about the Talk Talk charity that you started up. Do you just want to sort of give everyone a little bit of insight into what it is and what it's all about? Yeah, so Talk Talk, I, um, it's a mental health charity for men. It's not really a charity as in we take money and then we use it. It's more of an awareness sort of thing. So that was started pretty much was... I went through a bit of depression when I was 16. I had no idea what was going on with me. And then, like, I feel like, yeah, it was just a bit, it was a bit of a rough place in my life. And then I sort of came good probably in 2019. And then I was like, well, what can I do? Like, nobody our age reads books. Like, my mates aren't going to read this book. So they're only going to read it just because it's me. I'm not going to reach what I need to. So I thought, you know what, how about... I raise awareness by selling clothes. And I'd never, never seen living or anything like that. And I was like, it wasn't like I was trying to rip it off, but I, it wasn't until a few years later that I realized, yeah, they, there's stuff like this on me. But I remember laying in bed one night, and you know what it's like with all your My Peak stuff. When you get that idea at late at night, it's not good for you because it just rolls, <laughs> it's just rolling, you're laying awake, and you're going, oh, what can I do? And, I remember my, I could hear, still hear the TV on and I went out to mum and I said, mum, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I was telling her as I was thinking, I hadn't even really thought about it. And I said, I want to raise awareness for mental health. I want to tell more, tell my story and hopefully it helps everyone else. And I said, oh, I want to make a logo and I'll do that and um, I'll, I'll sell it. And whatever with the money, and I'll figure that out later. So the week went on and I did, a, I did a logo up and it was a clown we're holding a megaphone and the clown was realistically, I thought found it was me because you boys know what I'm like, I'm an idiot, you know, <laughs> carrying on over anything. So I was always a loud one and things like that. But when I got in the car or when I was alone, that was when sort of life sort of hit me and it was tough. So I thought, you know what, this is sort of symbolizing me as a clown, as the happy person, but underneath all the makeup and whatnot, who are you? Like I was, wasn't who I was portraying at the end of the day. And the megaphone was to emphasize the talk, talking loudly and out loud. So I did that. And then what happened was I said to mum, I think it was another night. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Went out to mum. I told her again. I got the logo done, got it all finished. She said, oh, okay, Ken, why don't you just go and buy as a mum? She's sitting there thinking, shut up. Like, just relax, you know what I mean? <laughs> so she said to me, how about you just go buy 10 shirts from cotton on cheap ones and just get it a screen printed on and see how you go there. I'm like, yep, that's a good idea. So made everything up on the computer and did it all and then like made a page and I just shared it online, just got a few more mates to share it. Things came up really happy, happened. And that night I had I sold 100 shirts <laughs> that night, yeah. And I just thought, this is crazy, like, I felt, I was so humbled because I thought, Kev, I'm actually in this place to make a change now. Yeah. Like, I have to sort of run with it. And from there, I just thought, what can I do? It just, it just escalated so quickly. And I was on a racing car. A few of the boys have my logo on their cricket bats here. And yeah, a lot of sports teams put their logo on it. It was never about the money. Like, I, what I did with the money was the first order I sort of did, I sent three young boys off to get counselling. So that was all paid for and that's what I sort of wanted to do, but it just became too hard with, you know, what I've done these days, it just became so hard. So with the pro proceeds now, I funded into Penrith Men's Walk and Talk and 
they purchase shirts for them that have my logo on and stuff like that. And there's a number of men's walk and talk. They is a, it's just a men's walk, so you can go down there and you can talk about men's world or whatnot. But you can go down there and often we catch up with mates and have a chat about the footy. So that's where my money my money goes now. But yeah, as as of that, it's just it opened my world up to so many people. I met so many new people and what I seen it started to do for me was people sort of resonating to me and they would come and speak to me about their problems and I thought it was so good for me and I thought this is why I started. It had nothing to do about the money. People look at me and go, oh, it's about the money, it's about the shit. It's not about that. It's about me just helping somebody's life. Like if they're going through exactly what I'm going through, that's how, really that's how it started. It started me looking at my mates and thinking, well, they think I'm fine, how do, do they feel? Like, yeah. I don't know, but I didn't want to ask the question. So by doing this, I thought it might free it up a little bit and we might be a bit easy going about it. And from that day, my three mates, like we, the way that we speak to each other, when we say, hey, how are you? It's, it's not like a hello for everyone else. It's a full genuine, hey, how are you? Like, that's helped me out so much, like massively. Yeah. Just around like even you boys, you know if I come over and say, Hey, how are you? you know it's a different sort of I'm asking you a question. So yeah, it's it's opened me up so much and it's let me do things that I never thought that I would. So yeah, it's my world. That's awesome and like you're on the money, it's like you created this that's just given you a platform to connect with people on a different level to what a lot of people connect with each other on and I remember when I bought I bought a hoodie and that logo is so good because I remember wearing, I used to wear it down the, um, the Kingsway playing Oztag at two degrees on a Thursday night and it was getting me through a cold night. But so many people would ask about the yeah. logo because it was, it's not something you normally see on a logo and it just, like you said, just breaks down the barriers. and It's a talking point, like yeah. I said there, they go, what is it? It forces you to talk straight yeah. away. And then whether you just talk amongst each other or they go home and have a chat and say, look, can we talk to somebody? Like, that's that's exactly what it's about, you know? So it's given me so much, it's given me so much. Do you want to open up at all, Cam, about maybe what you were going through personally at that time that really gave you your why to push the talk talk? Personally, for I just went through what I thought. I didn't know what depression was. Like, you know, we look at it now and it's so accepted in society. I don't know. If, I don't know if it was just the perfect storm. Me, you know, falling into this at the time that the world was sort of opening up to mental health. Because I can't see seven years ago somebody sitting down having this chat. So I feel like I fell into it right at the per- perfect time, and it was just I. I thought I was going through depression. I didn't know what I was going through. I was going to see doctors and they were trying to help me. And I'm going, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like nothing had happened. I said to my mum, said to my mum all the time, like three things in my life are pretty bad. It's happened to me. Other than that, I'll just put it in my mind. It was just anxiety going through all that. And the growing up scared, still scared me now. Like I've, I'm so scared to grow up and everyone else grows up around me. And I've gone, oh, like I, I don't want to do that. And that was the biggest thing. Like when I was 16, my mates were, Get misses, my brother, who where we were inseparable, we'll gets a misses, and it's sort of phase. And I go, is this what my life's going to be? I've turned it into something that it's, it's not, you know. So, but the why was genuinely my mates to start it to make sure they were okay. But now it's sort of shifted. It's not. It's not like I put my mates in the back pocket. It's more that I see a lot in the youth. Like you know what I'm like here with the with the boys that are 16, 17. I'm all over them because I just. I don't want them to make mistakes, same mistakes that I did, or if I can help them in any certain way, like that's why I'm doing it. Like here, one of the young boys said the other day, all I'm doing is running around the field and he turns around and he said, oh, thanks, can you change my life? And I'm thinking, if this is the impact I'm having, then I'm on the right track. And we are in society, I feel like we're on the right track. Yeah, you probably don't realise the impact you are, even though you do, you probably don't realise the extent of the impact that you are having on youngsters around our career club but also like you said you deal with youngsters all all through western sydney through that talk for talk and we'll put that link up in our bio and encourage everyone to get on there buy some merchandise and if you're not doing anything on a thursday night head down to the the pan river and do a couple of laps around the river with the men's walk and talk yeah 
talking about laps around the river, maybe we should talk a little <laughs> bit about running. Right. But I just want to know, sort of, you said you turned to running. Yeah. The word turn, like, really interests me. What do you mean when you say I turned to running? So footy was, sort of, well, while I was going through depression and I was 16 and the footy was my outlet, it was, and I was so blessed that I walked into St. Well, I didn't, I've been in St. Clair since I was 13, but I had been so blessed that I went through this little dynasty, like the Melbourne Storm, how if they were getting, if they weren't winning the comp, they'll get beaten. Final, that's what was happening to us. We, I, I played at Penrith three years in a row for the grand final, like we were just unbeatable. And it's sort of, it was a very family club, but the year that I sort of stopped playing, it sort of wasn't aligning with who I was anymore. It was just the culture there, and I just thought, you know, well, this isn't for me anymore. I wasn't getting any outlet from it. I would put all my eggs in the basket and go, you know, I don't really want to play for these boys anymore next to me because they're not here for the right reason. So, for my outlet, you know, it's like if you're dealing with anything, you need an outlet. That was the door was closed for me there. So I, I started running one day, and I just to peel, I was upset, and I just said, "I'm just going to go for a run." You know, it's like if you go for an angry run and it turns into something else. So <laughs> I said, "I'll just run one k." And like I was always pretty fit, but I would never. That's a stop start. I'd never be able to run continuously. So I said to myself, "I'll run one k," and then two the next, three the next, four the next. And in 10 days, I'd run 10 k's. For me, I'm going, get me in the Olympics or something. How good this? You know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking I'm a dead set marathon and I'm running around 10 k's. But like, what it did for me was it opened up so much. Like I was in pain, like not so much the 10 k's, but me asking myself, how far can I really push myself? Can I, can I go 11? And the thing for me was, it was the time as well. I'm not somebody that goes out and just runs and goes, oh, I'll just go run 15Ks. If I go run 15Ks, it needs to be under four minutes 15. Like, that's just how I am. Like, it, I need to compete against someone, you know, so I, need to, I need to compete against myself. So that's just how it sort of went down there. And then I realised, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting pretty good at this. But it was just, it was putting me somewhere that I had never been before because I was on my own. And I thought to myself, if I could, if I could run 10Ks today, what can I do tomorrow? And then when I was in pain throughout my life, like I would go through, I'd, I'd have anxiety and stuff like that. I said, can't, I talk myself out of it. So I would say to myself, you ran 15Ks yesterday, you can do anything, you're in so much pain, like this is nothing. And everything, every struggle that I had, I was drawing from running, just going, if I had a bad day at work, I'd go for a run and I'd rip myself. And it just opened up so much for me. Like it just, I had never realized what people would say, oh, go, like, it's good for your mental health, go out and, you know, be active. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you don't know what I'm going through, but it just opened me up so much. Like, it was massive for me. And it just pushed me. I had this, you know, everyone's got this David Goggins mentality now because they see it on Instagram and that, but I never, I would read books. I never, I would take pieces from people like him and it, it took me to this place where I honestly was like, if you told me now, I'm in thongs now, if you told me to run home from here in thongs, I'd run home and you can be in the shoe and I'll be there. That's how I just was. I, if you put me on the treadmill with me or you and you said, well, either two things are gonna happen, you're gonna stop or I'll get taken home in any like, That's just how I put myself in that. And yeah, it's sort of, it was good at the time, but I didn't know it took me, got me out of the hole, but it sort of put me into one. You know, the irony of it, it just put me somewhere else where I had to deal with something else. Yeah. Other than that, so. Before we dive into that, I'll sort of go back, but our last episode with Kevin Chevelle, he spoke about exactly what you were just talking about and transferring, like when something gets tough onto a field or a cricket field or a footy field and you delve back to all the hard stuff you've done in the gym or out on the running track, and you can just simply tell yourself, like he told a story about Tubby, and how he used to say, none of this is any harder than doing the squats or deadlifts we did with Kev. And you can transfer that straight into everyday life, whether it's work, relationships, school life, and you can, when you do put yourself through things, you know, like we said in the gym or on the running track, you can actually learn a lot more outside of the physical yeah, exactly. space. Yeah. You also learn mentally too. Yeah. And that, that's where I think it, it went for me. It was never it was never the physical I never I never ran to look good or 
for anything like that, it was just the mental and I was going out to say this one morning because I want to be tougher tomorrow or ten years time. Is there I don't know if you've got something in the front of your mind that you can give the listeners where maybe you were going through something specific like a particular event and you actually could have those thoughts with yourself like you know I've run this 10k I've run this 15k like this is going to be a breeze I can get through this part of my life um not one specific time I just feel like it put me into a place where I knew that I would be able to get through things and and manage them like as I was going through depression I wouldn't it's not like I stuck my head in the sand and said, oh, no one was helping me. I had so much help around me, but I chose a different way. I said, you know, I don't, I, I've had your help and it's just not working for me. It just wasn't working. And I'm not sitting here saying to everyone, don't go and seek support because yeah, should 100%. I did and it didn't work for me. So I just said, no, this is the tunnel vision I, I had. And there wasn't one specific time that I could remember. It just helped me in all sort of facets of life. Like, just taught me so much patience to do like I had a little chat with one of the boys here the other day and just to be patient and things like that like yeah it wasn't one time that it's it's, it's got me through my life to be honest with you yeah. like if it wasn't for running I probably would be dead you know like yeah to be honest with you or I'd be making I'd be making so much so many poor decisions yeah. yeah and you think as well like you said it's hard to pinpoint on one thing but a lot of the stuff that happens starts with the little things that build up yeah and if you can you know, you turn to that running and those little things don't become as big of a problem, mm. then you're not going to have that, you know, snowball effect that something big's going to happen. It's like nip it in the bun yeah. each time. Well, I think I prepared. It was more of a preparation for me to go, okay, well, if something does happen, I can turn back and say, this is what, sure. I've done this. It wasn't, yeah, it was It was more, and even still today, like, that's what I sort of do. It's not like, oh, turn back and say, well, I did this. It was just, yeah, it's more prepping for that time to come if, if need be. So. Yeah. What were a couple of, what were your best runs that you went on? Oh, um, the best run that I, that I do is one, one just a nice, it's, it's still a hard run, but one of the best runs I do is from the Spit Bridge at Manly and run all through a long, I don't even know where you just follow the track. <laughs> yeah, it, all, it runs along all the beaches and then you end up pretty much at Manly Corso. Yeah, so right. that, that's a good run that I do. That one and the best race I've done is I didn't even run that fast, but I did the Sydney Harbour 10k. That was the best yeah. one. Yeah, that was just so fast and it's just good. It's all flat, so that's one time ago. Yeah. I don't want to be running up hills or anything yeah. like that. What's your 5k PB for the listeners out there? 5k PB is 803. 1803. Oh, 803. 803 is pretty quick. It's who might be the one. Steve Bonagetti, I'm telling you. 1803. 1803. So does that burn yet? No, and you were four seconds off. Three or four seconds off getting the 17. To be honest with you, I hadn't really looked. It was more, I wanted to run 336. Okay. So, how does that get you? It was, I didn't know. I just said, it was when I did that chart and I did the five days every day for 30 days. For 30 days, I did it through September and I just said, oh, I'll just keep getting quicker, quicker, quicker. And I got down to three minutes. I'd have a go every Saturday. Every Saturday, that was my day to have a crack. Have a real go, yeah. And I said, oh, I'll have a dig today. And I was like, if I can get under 340, that would be big for me. If I could get 330, I'd like to look at 339, so 330s. And I think I did that the week before. And then I went, well, I've got to have it. There's two weeks left. And I thought, somehow I've got to pull it out of me. Yeah, yeah, do yeah. it. I've yeah. got to beat that. I yeah. can't just not. So I did 3.36 and I was running, I'm going, I was going at 1,500. And yeah. with 1,500 <laughs> to go, I'm thinking, I'm not going to be able to get this. And I just said, I'll just pull, like we said, I just pulled something and said, I don't, what I was saying to myself was, I don't want to come all this way and, and miss it like that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I did 3.36, I'm going, oh, how this got the shirt off, walking around the street, and I look, and it says 18, no, 3, and I thought, you couldn't have worked for three seconds, man. Yeah, like, if yeah, I knew yeah. I was that close, I probably would have been able to it. draw something and, and just pull 1750 in love, but I feel man. like September, yeah, I feel like was three years ago, like, uh, I went for a 4K run this morning, and I'm running it for the 15, yeah. I'm like, oh, where's the kid from September? Yeah. So it's tough. Well, we're in the same spot, we stopped. When did we do our marathon? 
Yeah, it just was a bit before September. Wasn't yeah. it? it was. It was during September. I think it was the second week of September. Yeah, it was. Because you were yeah still going yeah. after we yeah. uh, quit. And we went for a run this time last week actually, and we just did a five k loop, and it's a loop that I actually started doing before our marathon training. I did it every day for the first two weeks of our marathon training. And I'm running last Thursday going, oh my god. Yeah, five so much further than you think. Oh, it is. And you put it in here, like you would, because you marathon train. So you run, you know, 25Ks, you go, Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you start speeding up, you start running, and you go, I'm gas. (laughs) (laughs) What's your longest distance you've covered, Ken? Well, when I spoke to you, I did 40, 40. That's as far as it got. I did 40Ks. I did 40. Just had nothing left. What were your splits? See, and that was the thing. Yeah. You were going yeah. hard. I was yeah. going hard. I was inside five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was four. It was like four fifty-five or something like yeah. that. But I just had nothing left. I had nothing left. Yeah. yeah. That's so nice. Nothing left. When you look back on it, was it lack of running, lack of prep, or you just gassed on the day? Like, well, see, even like that, I'm not a big. I've never been oh, like you boys. Like, Podcasts about that stuff, but I'm not big on science or anything like that. I'll, I'll never look into it. Like, I don't even drink Gatorade, so like, I'll have a, I'll have a gel which is chocolate. Which mm. That's what I like, and I'll have that if I was going to get me through a run. Mm. But I think it was hundred percent was that. Yeah. If I can keep that going for forty k's, surely I have a, if I have a Gatorade, I can do two k's. Like, yeah. You know, so I think yeah, that would be my only thing. Just for bread. Wasn't like a race. I just, I'm a very different runner. I'll just think, oh, I'll just go run a minute today from my house. Yeah. And like, that's how I, I always put the shoes on and go. So, yeah, I'm not somebody that will plan it out and go, okay, on the 28th of January, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm just hold it up and I'm going to get to every day. Yeah. Well, that was before Squirt went to the UK. Every Saturday, you used to run down here from St. Clair yeah. to watch us play. Yeah. did that for quite a while. did that so. for a while, yeah. And it was just hot. And yeah, middle of summer. Yeah. yeah. And I enjoyed it. But now, look, I'm not, I'm, I miss my running because I'm not getting the same satisfaction out of it. And I think that's only purely because I've gone back to footy and I go, this is where my passion is now. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, that, that's probably it. Yeah. I think we talk about, um, uh, the race was it? What race were you in when you had your incident? Do you want to go into that? Yep. Um, I was in the Sun Run. That was in the that was the first of Feb twenty nineteen, and twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty one. Twenty twenty. It was. Yeah. It was twenty twenty, and it was only a ten k. And I was trying to. I was looking to do it. I think forty one minutes. It's a very tough course. It's very healy and whatnot. So I was like, yep, yeah, oh, this, this is the pace I want to go. And I'd sorted it out and planned, I had done it before and I knew where I would lose time. And I, I, I had my race plan down to a T. And then that morning I was driving in and I stopped and I just had a muffin and water. I hate running on a full breakfast or anything like that. And I got an email and I said, it'll change your race plan. Like it's, it's um, unexpected heat, it's caught us by surprise, please change your race plan. That's not going to affect me, and like yeah, it's probably the perfect storm. I was walking to the start with one of my mates, and my other friend Madison. She was at the finish line. She dropped us off and went there. And my bib number, funny enough, was six six six. And I took a Snapchat and sent it to the boys. Said, "Oh, running with the devil today." Yeah, <laughs> ironic, hey. And then I started, and I was good up the hill straight away, and it was fine. And I got six k's, and I thought I had. I felt like I was at, I was finished. I felt like I had given everything. I was like, oh, I don't feel right. Like it's just it's very it's a very humid day. The sun wasn't out, but it was just very humid. And I could smell this certain smell, and I thought that's not right. And I was wearing my I had rubbers on at the run at the time. I flicked my shoes. I was already running, and I was I touched my hands, and it, I could smell rubber. The, the heat was coming through the ground that March was starting to burn the rubber off my shoes. Oh my gosh. And I got to 8Ks and I was just, I remember just being so wet. I was just so drenched with sweat. And I used to run with my phone back then. I had the headphones on. And I rang Madison and I said, oh, I'll be eight minutes. I'm not 2Ks away. She goes, yeah, no worries. And I, 
Remember coming down Queens, Queenscliff, and so you run along the beach from Queenscliff and pretty much end up at the surf club again. And I remember getting down onto the flat and thinking, I've probably got a K left. And I, I was just looking, my head was just looking down at my watch and my wrist kept just flicking up. I just kept looking at the flat and I remember thinking, I've got to run harder. I looked down and it said three minutes 20. That's the pace that I was running at the time. And I thought, I'm going pretty hard here. That was it. The, the next thing I remember is hearing is uh, the, I just could hear doctors and nurses and I rolled my head over and I, whether this happened or not, I'm not sure it would have been delusional or anything. I remember being in a hospital with a white sheet over me and the, um, the doctor said, oh, we're waiting on the neurologist and said, oh, here will be 20 minutes. And then they said, oh, we don't have 20 minutes because you're going to die. And then I had that after that but from what I've been told was um, Adam one of my best mates he was running behind me he I think he was 12 minutes behind me so he was 12 minutes behind me he crossed the finish line I just seen him and said let's camp I didn't think much of it they walked down luckily they walked down the right side of the street because there I was laying there couldn't see the color of my eyes that was purely white and they said that I had like this yellow plastic coming out of my mouth it was obviously vomit or something like that, but it was like stretchy. And then they, I think somebody put me in like a, like a lay wheelchair or something like that and put me in the, put me in the medic tent and they said, um, we can't have anything, it just keeps running out. And what they told me is all I kept saying was, just let me finish and I'll come back. So there was what I was saying oh with that mentality, gosh. just get it done, get it done and I'll just worry about it later. And that's exactly what I was doing. They said, he's been in here before and look at his arm. Like, they put the camera in my arm. I just kept ripping it out and just running off. Yeah, and then I got rushed to hospital and then I was in emergency and um, then they said, yeah, just don't look for him. He's got that bill. And I went into ICU and I was in there, put in a coma and I didn't wake up for another week. So it was all sort of, I think that's when all the hell started for everyone. The, the unknown, they had said that I had a uh, bleed on my brain. I had a vein in my brain that was blocked. Um, I had touched my heart when I had pulled the tubes out so that I um, defected my heart. Um, then when they wanted to do x-rays on my heart, they needed, I needed to go to, sorry, have an MRI. I couldn't go in because I had, my mum thought I had metal in my heart at work. If I went in there, it was going to suck my eye out if I had metal in there. So anything that just went downhill did, and yeah, just I, I was the lucky one really in all of it because in that space that we, because I had no idea what was happening, I was just laying there thinking nothing really. But it wasn't until I think it was the Thursday night they had tried to bring me out, and this is another thing that I remember having this figure over me, this lady, and she was German or something like that. This actually happened. I was carrying on because I was strapped to the bed because I was so strong at the time. I was so agitated. I had a tube down my whole throat and I'm trying to breathe. I can't breathe. I'm on life support and I'm trying to talk to them and I'm restless. And they said, no, we, we can't do anything. Just put him back to sleep, put him back to sleep. And I remember crying and thinking, I just calmed down. I remember my hands letting go. And I remember thinking, like, don't give up on me. Like, please, like, don't. I'm here, I'm thinking, man die and stuff like that and then the next day well that was the next day i um i was having this dream and i was thinking every breath that i was taking i was floating away i was in this, this like this chinese box land and every every time i was breathing i was floating away further and further and all the doctors and my family were down there and they were saying like you can't do anything it's just a strange dream and i said to myself no i can't watch this anymore i don't wanna, i don't want to look at it i'm, I'm just going to die I remember taking this big breath and my eyes opened up. But as strange as it is, like it just happened. I remember just they pulling the tube out of my mouth and then they put everything on me and I don't remember much after that. But yeah, it was, a, it was just a strange sort of experience. And like you look at me and go, oh, how can a kid so fit that happened? But it was just purely pushing me to somewhere that you shouldn't go. And like I say to the boys all the time, like, you trust me, boys. Like, a lot of these young boys don't know my story or anything like that. And I said, trust me, like your body's your body's gonna give up before your brain does. And 
Mm. You know, like it's a fact. So yeah, it was just such a crazy time for me. Was there a diagnosis at all? Like, what did they say the issue was during the race? So they said that I um, was suffering with seizures. So that that was another drama. They, what was happening with the seizures when I was in the hospital was they're putting me on blood uh, medication to stop the bleeding from my brain. So they put me on blood thinners, but the blood thinners would give me seizures. So then they were saying, do we stop the bleed or do we, is he going to have seizures? Like, what do we, what do, we do if we can't balance it out? So that's was another thing. And then, yeah, it was just, it was just all downhill. But they, they still say to this day that they're not sure. Because I think it was the Tuesday they come out to my mum. This was a really bad day for my mum. They come out and they said to my mum, um, he's, he's not doing well and like, it's looking bad. If, even if he does wake up, like Becky, you know, his mother, like, another thing they said well even if he does wake up he's not going to be the same like, he's probably not going to be able to walk or like, talk to you you don't know who you are or anything like that and yeah they so he's my mom family everyone what's he going to be like he comes out of it if he comes out of it and then here's a funny story for you is my, i've come out the friday they tried to bring me out the friday morning was early morning i think they brought me out and they just changed the nurses, it was just to change the shift. So I had this bloke sitting down over here, his name was Harry, young fella, and I'm laying on the bed, I'm trying to talk to him, and he's looking around and thinking, he can't talk, but I know what's happened to him, he's, you know, he's a vegetable man. And I'm trying to talk to him, and I'm doing this, and he goes, do you want paper or something? I was like, so he comes over, I'm writing on the paper, my nose is drooping, and I'm thinking, because I get bad nosebleeds, I'm thinking I'm having nosebleeds, I'm writing on the piece of paper, I have bad nose bleeds. And just showing him, he's like, what's wrong with this kid? <laughs> so then um, I, did, I would have been probably 20 minutes, still my parents aren't, my mum hasn't come in yet or anything like that. And I'm trying to talk to him and he turns around and he said, oh, and he came over and I said, so what do you do outside work? And he looked at me and he's thinking, is he for real? Like, I haven't asked him what's going on, but and he wants to know about why I'm asking about his life. <laughs> and he's looking at me, he pulls his wheels, his chair over, and he goes, I was actually out your way the other day, mate, having, having um, beers watching the Super Bowl. And I said, I was swearing heaps of time. I said, shut up. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, the Super Bowl's tomorrow. Today's Sunday. He said, and then he come over and he put his hand on me and said, mate, like, it's not, it's, it's Friday. Like, you're in a pretty bad way. Or, no, I was in full denial. I said, no, 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 this is not happening. And I laid down and I looked across and I had this, there was on the wall, there was just this little windowsill and had photos and cards and whatnot there. And I had this jersey from St. Clair, one of the teams that I used to train there, that all the boys had written on it, sent it through. And one of them said, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Thank you for everything that you did for me and I love you and I'm so sorry. And I just went, I held it and I looked at him and I said, was I going to die? Like his head and that's when everything sort of hit me. And I, it was more, yeah, it was just what's happened to you. Like I had no idea what was going on. And then, then my mum come in and then everyone sort of come in. And the way to describe it was I felt like I was at my funeral for life. Mm -hmm. Like that's just... I had no idea. It was as bad as it was. That was the best out of my life. Like I, it was just the best out of my life. Yeah, it was just such a crazy experience to go through. But yeah, then then that happened, and I come out. I pretty much come out two days after that, and that's when the hell started for me. Really, like I was all good in, in there, but the hell was just the guilt of. Why have I done this? Like, I just felt so selfish. Like, what was I racing for, realistically, at the end of the day? Why was I pushing myself so hard? And, yeah, it was just... It was the guilt of seeing how I hurt my friends and family. Like, yeah, it was just real tough for me. Even to this day, the thing that gets me the most is... is my brother, like, man, just best mates. And, but we haven't even told him this, but just hurt me because how does he come to see his brother? He's driving an hour, it's manly. 
every day you see his brother like, just laying there looking for a stock. And it just crushed me. Even just now, it just makes me feel so sad. Like, I'd never let me brother down, but just uh, it's just, it's the only time that I felt like I let him down. Well, I remember talking to Squirt while you were in your coma, and I reckon I messaged him three or four times, and every time he would have a very similar response, like he's still, he hasn't woken up yet, but he's gonna be with us, he's fine, I know he's, he's fine and he'll be fine, so I just remember, like obviously I didn't know the extent to what was going on, but I just remember talking to Squirt, and every time we would talk, it was like he was telling me you were fine. Yeah. And like, he just the, obviously he knows you better than anyone on this planet. And just the optimism he had mm. was just like, I remember I'd stop talking to him and mum would start talking to mum and dad. And they'd be like, oh, you know, we're talking about Ken. And I would always go, yeah, Ken's all right because Squirt was so positive and so yeah. optimistic that you were going to come through it. And then I'd have to click in my mind that, no, he's actually going through a lot here. Yeah, he might not be okay, but yeah, I think Squirt knows you better than anyone, and quite yeah. clearly he was on the money, mate. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just, it just crushed me. Like, I feel like my parents were there; they were feeling the same thing, looking at their son, going, both of them had their arm around each other, yeah. going, you know, this, we'll get through it, and stuff like that. Well, my friends, the same thing; they're all looking at their friend, but I left my brother alone. You know, like that's just mm. that's what just hurts me. Even to today, like. Yeah, I still carry the guilt, even when I put my shoes on and go for a run. It took me a little while to, I didn't, I was out of the hospital within a month and I went for a run. Like mm-hmm. I, I needed to do that and it was looking at my mum and she's looking and going, you're not, like, I'm not letting you go, like you need, you need to now. It just still hurts me, you know, yeah. a year on, a year and a bit on and it's just, yeah. Well, it speaks volumes of who you are, mate, like in a situation where you, couldn't have had your back anywhere up against the wall and all you're worried about is how you're making other people feel and how you feel like you're letting other people down. If anyone takes anything out of this, it's you know, obviously how selfish you are and how much you know you, you care about the people around you and things like that. It's such an like, incredible story and one when I met you, I could hardly believe it when you spoke to me about it. I suppose like what was it like post-running, like you touched on a little bit there, took you, sorry, post-incident, took you months to get back you know, to running and how did it feel taking your first steps? Like, were you nervous? I know obviously you said your family around you were very nervous. How did you feel? I, as much as it had changed my life, it never changed my mentality. I remember sitting there with the doctor and he said, so what happens, Cam, when you get put into this position again? And I said, the same thing's gonna happen to me. Because I'm just wired like that now. Like, I've just built myself into this person that I need to go as hard as I can all the time. And, the first steps, I was fine. I was looking, going, can I run faster? What's gonna hurt me? Is it too hot? Like, I was unsure of it, but I just sort of went through it. I was was never really scared at all. It was, I'm so blessed to have the sport I did of my friends and my family. Like, yeah, they were just, they were there for me. Madison in particular, she, she you know, didn't leave my bedside, so. It was the, that was the biggest thing coming out of it, just knowing that I wasn't alone as much. You know, I had my days where I'm thinking, no one understands, but this is just me by myself. Like I, and, and it was, realistically, but yeah, it was just such a crazy sort of thing to come out of. Yeah, took a lot from it, really. Yeah. Um, I've got a question for you. you. You've given a lot of life lessons to youngsters out there. You could summarise a couple of things for a lot of teenagers listening to today. What would you give them through your experience and what are a couple of things that they can do as youngsters? For me personally, because um, we're, we're based around young athletes here, especially with what you boys are doing, my biggest advice would be to be good people before being good athletes. I think that is so important, especially in today's society. We, we grow up and if you're a good footy player, if you're a good cricket player, that's how people know you. But you can be the complete opposite off the field. And what happens when you break your arm through footy and you go, I've just lost my contract or something like that. What have you got? You can't go to a job because you've got no people skills because you've grown up, put all your eggs in one basket and said, 
this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like even the boys here, I speak to a few young boys, they're 16, 17. I said, what are you going to do with your life? They go play for Australia. I said, the chances of you playing 0.01% is, is the start in Australia right now to make sport your career. And that is to play. So it's very, I'm not saying that it's don't chase your dreams, boys. I'm, so I'm not saying that at all, but you still need to have a line tomorrow. And I think that is so misunderstood, especially with the parents. They just go, my kid's going to play for Australia. He might, but he still needs to look at other options. Yeah, I think that, that's even it. if they do play for Australia, they're not going to play forever either. Well, that's my yeah. other thing as well, is we're going to be athletes until we're like 30, max for yeah. cricket. For cricket, 30. Other than that, we're going to be humans a lot longer than we're going to be cricket players. So, yeah, that's right. You know, I feel like it's so important as well. You boys do it perfectly. You sum it up. You aren't just cricket. You know, there's lots of other facets that you boys look at. And I feel like that's what we're starting to get here at Penrith now at the cricket club. Where I see a lot of it at footy. At footy is a big base around there's life like outside footy. Yeah. But the cricket was very different for me to come to when it was very tunnel vision. I had boys going, oh, I'm not going to work and stuff like that because I'm not scoring runs on the weekend. I'm like, man, like, well, it's not that. It's just cricket, you know what I mean? Yeah. Take cricket away. Who are you? You're mm-hmm. still this person. Absolutely. So, yeah. And my other one is probably is be kind to, to to people, you know, and just you don't know how they're feeling. So it could be your mate, like even your brother or sister, like somebody says something to them at school and you don't know how they're going to take it. Like they just, I feel like that's the biggest, that's the biggest lesson I've learned is to be kind to people because you just, have no idea if I could take what I did back at school like it's not like I would bully people to the point where it was just I would say comments and I'd go now I look at it I go that's the wrong thing to do you know so yeah that and um that's probably it to be honest and just enjoy your life like shouldn't let things stop you getting in your way like you can be out back from anything like realistically you can come back from anything you want so yeah yeah you're the man to say that <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah. exactly right what about youngsters out there that obviously through your charity talk talk if there's some youngsters listening to this and relating to your story and thinking yeah i'm going through a little bit here what can obviously you're going to say you can reach out to you as well and any of us geordie or i as well but what can youngsters do if they are thinking you know i've listened to cam and i'm thinking very similar things what can they do don't just take my my advice on board. I think that's a big thing where people speak and go, do this, it works. Like, yeah. did it just worked for me going my own way and shutting people out worked for me from where I needed to be. They understood, my, my support network understood where I was going. But as for people these days, I feel like just talk as much as you can and speak to people as much as you can about it. Like, there's no need to be ashamed. Like, I thought, oh, people would think I'm, I'm less of a person, but and actually, like you boys, like you boys look at me as more of a person for opening up things like yeah, that. Like, you know, I think that is the biggest thing to just open up and seek advice. And like you said there, I'm put my in my board my number to as many boys as you want. Like you never know, they might need me at three o'clock in the morning or something like that, and I'm happy to answer the phone. And if I don't answer, I'll, I'll give us a ring back in the morning. Like I'm quite happy to sit down and have a chat. Like yeah. Where do, you, where do you think, um, you know, mental health and, and the solution, um, I suppose, just in societies these days, where's it heading and how can people play a role every day just to make sure that we're are saving more lives than we're losing? Yeah, I think realistically the sky's the limit. Like I said before, I feel like I just walked into this at the perfect time. Like with the parent mental walk and talk, they really have, they have 80 plus walkers there every week. Uh, and like that's, and that's from all ages. And I feel like that is such a big step in the right direction. And they have started something massive because there's one at Bathurst. There's one, I think there's one at Ride. They, they have them all over New South Wales now. Like there's one up the mountains. And I feel like that is the step that we want to go. And like, I just feel grateful to be a part of it. Mm. You know, like, yeah, I just feel like that is exactly what we need to do. And as for how can we help, I just feel like, yeah, we need to, like I said, be kind, you know. Take as, take as everyone was your mate. You know, yeah, whether, sure. whether they are or not, like, that's how we have to look at it. It'll go a long way. Like, speaking for me, like, I know that. It was just, it's even sending this, if, if anyone's listening to this now, what I would tell you is to 
your mates and, and message them. If you want to message five of them, message five of them and, uh, and tell them genuinely that you love them and you care for them. And there's no, nothing to be ashamed of. I tell my mates all the time. And it's, it's good for us. It's healthy. And, mm. you know, even just messaging somebody and saying, hey, how was your day? It's not the fact that you're asking them something. It's the fact that they might take this, you know, I'm Ken's caring about me. Yeah. I'm being thought of. So, you know, I might not make this stupid decision and go down this path take my life or something you might you never know you might be able to say someone's like just that one message and you know i think we should like if everyone's watching this just pick the phone up and you've all got it in your hand now i think you should just send a message to your mates and your family and things like that and it'll go a long way it really will and if it doesn't happen now it can be in the future too yeah that's exactly right. someone might not be going through something now but in six months time or even six years time they know that you're sending a message about your health and checking in on you, you could be someone they feel more comfortable to reach out to if they do go through something down the track. Yeah, that's correct, and um, I'm all for it. You know, if I can save someone's life, done the job. It really is the smallest gesture can go the biggest way. Yeah, it doesn't have to be something huge. It can, like you said, a text message, a phone call, telling someone how much they mean to you. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. All right, shall we rattle off some gratefuls? Get ourselves in a good mental state heading into training. Yeah, I'll go first. My first one is for you, Cam. Um, steal it before Brownie does. Obviously, you touched on it throughout the episode, but for the listeners, Cam's actually doing a lot of good work with us at Penrith Cricket Club, working with some of, well, every player, but in particular, some of the younger younger boys coming through the grade to look up to Cam like a few of the boys call him his big brother. Um, real role model in their lives so very grateful for the role that you're playing on our young aspiring cricketers um, the second thing is actually something I haven't seen for a while and that's the sun so, <laughs> I thought you were going to say runs <laughs> 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 that's quite funny he's done me there I got the double figures on the <laughs> oh, yeah. You had a big six if you didn't know. Oh, did Cam, went, Cam went to Aqua Golf on the weekend if you haven't heard. Oh, well, there you go. I picked I up missed a free bucket. I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but what were you going to say, Cam? Sorry, the start. I'm not grateful for that. I'm grateful for the sun. Yeah. Because the sun runs hasn't been handy. The sun hasn't been handy. Well, the sun and runs go handy. Yeah, exactly. So we've had a few, what have we had? Two washouts this year, so. I want to see some more sun so we can play some more cricket. And the third one is a London Cafe. Mm. So I think I actually used that one last time. I think you used it a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, we go there most Well, he does it because, you know, one day he's going to turn around and say, boys, the meal's on me. <laughs> if, you keep, if you keep plugging it, it is it'll true. go. It does come to Canali every now and then. Yeah. He's a good man. Dan yeah, we'll man. bring Canali. Canali, chocolate, Canali. Dan the man has to be a future episode. Yeah, he will be. Yeah, he absolutely will be. All right, I'll go in. Uh, I'm going to go in this morning. Uh, speaking about um, a little bit about what we spoke about today, I had a coffee with a good mate of mine, um, Geordie, across the road. I haven't seen him for uh, probably a couple of weeks, so we went for a coffee this morning, just chatting about some things, and yeah, really good. Again, just for your mental health, to have a chat and and open up about things that sometimes you don't open up to about your family or whatever. So that was really good. We had him on. He was episode. He was a second or third episode. Yeah, he was a spirituality episode. So he's a great man to have a chat with um, things about. Uh, my veggie garden at the moment's flourishing. Hey, um, that's all. It's not going to be the dairy farm. Really. <laughs> no, it's not. Right. 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 So I've got Tommy's coming up. The uh, the herbs are going gangbusters. I've even got zucchinis coming through now. So what about the calves? <laughs> the meat, the livestock. What about that coming? I haven't seen that in the house for a while, actually. So none of that. They're my first two, and then yeah, can do still a couple of months. I'm going to go in with the sun. We're outdoors today. It's 28 plus degrees, so. Hopefully we have a good wicket at Bankstown Oval, so yeah. And get some runs. <laughs> Be get nice. Runs. <laughs> what do you got for us, Cam? I've got, I'll go a little bit deep. My, I'm so grateful for my struggles, like, honestly. Like, well, without them, I'm I'm not the person I am today, like, realistic. I wouldn't be sitting here with you boys if it wasn't for my struggles and what I can do. And, and secondly, my support network, without them, I'd do the same thing. I'd probably be here, you know, rely so heavily on my, my friends and my family. I'm so blessed to have my family the way that they are and, you know it's upset because it's overseas and whatnot but my family they do everything for us and yeah it's good and my friends like they're here nearly more than you really <laughs> on the, on the, during the summer they love the cricket so yeah I, my friends are just 
shout out to them. Like, so yeah, the last one is having given the opportunity that you boys give me today, like hopefully I can touch a few people and not like that, but lend your hand to somebody and um, yeah, so don't be shy. If you want to get in contact with me or whatever, I just let one of the boys know and I'm sure I'll be happy for a chat. Yeah, like Cam said, we'll definitely put uh, your contact details in, in the in the show notes and, and uh, links to your charity and things like that. But yeah, that was fantastic, Cam. So thanks for seeing Cheers, you boys. today, mate. Cheers, Cam. Cheers. And that's a wrap for today's episode on the Cam and George podcast. As always, we hope you leave today's episode feeling a little more inspired, motivated, and with a deeper understanding on holistic health and the importance it plays in your life. We love seeing the Cam and Jordan community grow and are very grateful for your support in doing so. As we implement our holistic strategies to enhance your balanced lifestyle, we would love to share the experience with you. That could be gym work, yoga, going for a run, an awesome new recipe, starting a new business, work progression, your meditation stations, going to church or a connect group, or just spending time with friends and family. We love seeing your stories and would love to share it amongst the community. Also, stay tuned for the upcoming Cam and George store, where merchandise, self-development resources and courses will be available, plus access to gurus in the holistic space. We look forward to sharing with you shortly. Finally, if you have anyone who you think story needs to be heard, be sure to personal message us so we can get that person on our podcast and share their story with our listeners. Until next time, folks, on the Cam and George podcast.